The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I want to surrender my battle that I'm going to take on in the next few minutes here. Uh, my battle with maybe a lack of courage, my battle with uh, pride, uh, my battle with distraction. Because, Lord, we'd love just to see you powerfully work. Uh, I love for folks to leave uh, ta- talking about and rejoicing in your greatness. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I, uh, I was just thinking about this <laughs> Adam, when Adam said, come on, guys, sing. Uh, or men, men sing or whatever. Don't need that, just the sermon. Uh, we're good. But uh, I thought, uh, you know, my little news feed that I have this week, it popped up on there, why men don't sing in church. And I thought, I want to see this. How it is. So I, I anxiously uh, clicked on that, and it came up. First reason that they gave was uh, many times it's because of constipation. <laughs> I, didn't realize, I didn't realize that the website was mockery. Uh, I thought it was dead serious. I thought and maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I looked at the rest of the list. It was all jokes, but, but like that. But I, I did think I'd mention if you were standing beside somebody who wasn't singing during, the, during that, you might want to slip them a little fig or, I don't know, a little prune juice. I don't know, something to help them out there. It could be the problem. I don't know. We are going to continue our series in the book of Genesis uh, today. Uh, two weeks ago, we introduced that. We talked about creation and finding our purpose in creation. That's chapter one. Then we went over to chapter three last week where we talked about the beginning of sin. And I said we're, we jumped ahead so that I could come back this week to the beginning of the family. Now, it's not really like a specifically a 100% Father's Day message, but I thought it kind of fit there a little bit, go with that. Uh, so we are going to talk about the covenant relationship of marriage, and we're going to talk about, then at the end of the service, we're going to talk about another covenant that the Lord established that he called the new covenant uh, in his blood, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together on this day as we worship our Heavenly Father. But um, I want you to, uh, or I want to give you a warning here, okay? Last week, we were in Genesis chapter 3. And we talked about the fall and the results of the fall, okay? Now, we're going back to Genesis chapter 2. So what I'm going to talk about today is actually the perfect marriage because it's before the fall, okay? Now, stay with me here for a second because you might have been here four or five weeks ago. And if you did, you obviously remember what I preached Uh, whenever Mother's Day was. We talked about that because I specifically said there is no such thing as what kind of a... Mother, father, what? Perfect. There is no perfect, right? It's not there. In fact, I still, I don't usually remember my own sermon outlines because I just don't, uh, but I remember that one. We, we looked at the life of Sarah and we said that, uh, that she was not a perfect uh, wife and she, I'm sorry, she didn't have a perfect spouse. She didn't have a perfect family and she didn't have a perfect faith, but you know what she had that was perfect? Her God, right? Her savior. Per- I, I got real excited about that. No perfect family, no perfect spouse, no perfect faith, but perfect Savior. That was good. That'll sell right there. Uh, but, uh, but, and I don't want to walk that back, okay, because I spent the whole service telling you that there is no perfect uh, life, and we can't have that. And yet, now I'm saying we're going to talk about the perfect marriage. And, you know, 
let me be very honest here for a second. I know that some of you uh, already, uh, you, you've been married a couple times. Some of you maybe even more than that. I, I don't know. And uh, I want to make sure it is very clear. I am not attempting today to beat anybody up because of the past or to bring that up or to lay shame and guilt on anybody because of a past. Or even, I'm not even really after today as far as saying, hey, I'm going to tell you what's going on. But I really want us to focus on the future from the standpoint of what we will see in Genesis chapter 2 is God's plan. This is how God laid it out. This is how it's supposed to work. And that as couples, we can strive together that by God's grace, we can, see, we can begin to realize a little bit of that plan that, that he had in place. As God, we can struggle together, and as by God's grace. One of the phrases I, I tried to keep using on that Mother's Day when we talked about the fact that we're not perfect is that on my very best day spiritually, I am completely dependent on the grace of God. And I want to reemphasize that again as we go into this because I, I don't want you to feel like, well, now he's saying we have to be perfect and everything like that. I'm not saying that at all, by, but I am saying that our perfect God, our perfect Father, laid out the plan for marriage that, that is a beautiful thing. And, uh, and we can look at that and we can, if you want to say it like this, strive for that a little bit today. And, and um, even more importantly, those of you who are not married, I think as you see God's perfect plan for marriage, it helps you as far as the old spousal selection game. Uh, so, I, so I think this can be really helpful. We are going to look primarily at just two verses today in the book of Genesis, last couple verses of chapter 2. But as we do and talk about marriage, we're going to see it, how it is described, how it can be enjoyed, and how it can be lasting as we go through that idea. Now, as I often do on Mondays, I listen to several sermons on Genesis chapter 2 and several sermons on marriage. Every one, I listened to three, every one of those three, the pastor started off with a long description of where marriage is today, you know, by the stats. Got to tell you, not real encouraging. Uh, I'll give you one. In America, there is a divorce at least every 36 seconds. That's, that's something. Uh, you know, and then I found a TED Talk, and, uh, and this woman got up and she says, hey, marriage is totally unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we even do it? I thought, yeah, maybe this isn't the TED Talk for today. Uh, that will go with that. But uh, we're not going to dwell on that. We're going to dwell on what God laid out, God's plan, God designed. Okay? So I'm gonna, we're going to read those uh, last couple verses here of chapter 2. Actually, I want to read uh, verse number 23 for a second first of Genesis 2. Uh, the man said, this at last is the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. If you uh, see that in Scripture, it's set apart a little differently. This is the first time in Scripture that something is set apart because it's written kind of poetically. And they say that in the Hebrew it rhymed, and it was really kind of a beautiful, almost romantic type thing. Now, it did lose something in the translation uh, into English as far as the rhyming and as far as the, the romantic aspect of it. But uh, after God said that, then he said, Therefore, here's what's going to happen. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were then both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, I want to go back through and, first of all, just see how this text describes marriage. <laughs> By the way, when I think about the whole idea. You know, I, 
I was sitting in the parking lot at Martin's yesterday morning, uh, the one over in Granger. I don't know what direction I'm pointing. Yeah, it's that way. Uh, but I was sitting in the parking lot. I had my uh, roof open. You know, it was a nice, cool morning. And there was a couple beside me in the car. They had to be mid-80s. They had to be mid-80s. And they were going at it big time. She did not like where he had parked. She did not like how he had parked. He did not like the fact that she didn't like the way he had parked and stuff like that. And I would tell you their exact conversation, but we'd have to bleep it out in a few places there. Uh, they were having a good time. And finally, it was almost comical because they got out of the car. And not only did they kind of not walk together, Mar that Martins has a door on each side there at the entrance. They went separate entrances. <laughs> and, of course, you know, I, I mind my own business. Um, <laughs> No, but I did do the polite thing. I put my phone up to my face like I was talking to somebody, so I acted like I wasn't paying attention. I thought that was the least I could do, but I was listening to their conversation. I wanted to follow them through the store, to be honest with you, because I was very interested in where that went from there. But, you know, we look at that sometime, and we think, hey, you know, hey, is this really what there is as far as marriage goes? You know, it, it, for a lot of people, we see sometimes even that have stayed together a long time, it really isn't that enjoyable of experience. So let's look and see what God says. Okay, the first idea. Are you ready? Uh, we need to focus on that word leaving. It says, for this cause, they'll leave. Okay, remember the marriage ceremony? You walked down the aisle there, uh, and uh, I say, who? gives this woman to be married to this man. And the line is, her mother and I, or whatever like that, or somebody does. Uh, and then you go through a little thing where there's a handoff. And I've seen that done many different ways. Some of them are kind of like, you, you can see the dad going like, you better. You <laughs> I'm trusting you, but you better uh, behave. You know, kind of taps the gun that he has back here. Uh, there are others, you know, where there's a big embrace and a group hug and everything like that. I had one where they stopped and they prayed together and everything like that. It's a beautiful thing. But basically he's saying, there you go, yours now. Okay? Basically, something is changing right there. And what has changed is we are going to establish a new first loyalty. Okay, we're going to cut the cord of dependency. We're going to give a little space. Uh, we're going to give them a little space to uh, launch out, kind of like uh, the Bible talks about God kicks the young eagles out of the nest and lets them fly a little bit. And sometimes it's hard to let them fly, but that's what happens there. Uh, they're going off on their own. That was about four years ago. Uh, my first grandchild was born. And uh, it was on a Sunday morning that, that he was born. And, and uh, before we came in here to church, we were able to meet him. Uh, and it was kind of weird because we were excited and we were happy, but there was a weird air, like uh, something's wrong here. And the doctors were kind of like that, but they weren't saying what was wrong. And we came into church and we were excited, but at the same time, we were a little bit like, uh, and that, that kind of stayed through the week because the doctors weren't really saying much. I found out later it's because they didn't know. They, they didn't know what was going on. But uh, I remember that Thursday, so he was born on Sunday, I remember that Thursday, Hannah, you might remember this, uh, you were here, and I was down the hallway painting, and I, uh, what happened is this, that was the first day my son-in-law went back to work, and he had actually been sent to Fort Wayne, and um, the doctor came in that day, and my wife was there with my daughter, and the doctor said, here's what we think is going on, and they gave three options, they said, if he has this, he'll probably only live a month. If he has this, he'll probably only live a week. And if he has this, he'll probably only live a day or days. And uh, my wife called me and, and, you know, and I right away uh, headed over for St. Joe Hospital. And again, my son-in-law was out of town. He was in Fort Wayne. Uh, so as I got closer, um, 
my wife had texted me and said, you know, Jeanette took a walk. So as I got up St. Joe Hospital, some of you have been there in the parking lot. Down below is a little pond. And I looked down there, and I saw my daughter sitting down there. So I walked down there, and I did the very best that I could for two hours to comfort my daughter. But after two hours, my son-in-law was able to get back from Fort Wayne. And when he showed up, you know, she just ran to him. And she clung to him. And I got to tell you, it was, it was a little hard for me because daddy, I thought I was the one she wanted to hold to. But no, she needed, she needed him. And, but that is exactly a good picture of how it's supposed to be. Okay? We're no longer, hey, hey am I still important in her life? I think I still am. Uh, but at the same time, somebody else took that front seat. And that very much what happens with the leaving. Now there's a, there's a new priority, if you will. There's a new first loyalty that goes on there. Second word, not only is there leaving, but there's a cleaving. I love this word. Uh, some of you that have the King James Version, that's what it says. It says you are to leave and you are to cleave. Uh, this is a word that very much means being stuck together like by glue, like two papers would be stuck together, where they can be separated, but not without doing a little damage. Okay? And that is the idea very much is how this God describes marriage is, yes, uh, there can be a separation. This can end, but not without damage. You know, sometimes we look at a situation and we'll say, well, that's a young couple and they're splitting up, but they don't have kids. At least they don't have kids. Is, does that minimize pain? Probably does, but it doesn't eliminate it. Uh, sometimes we look at an older couple that, uh, you know, they hit the empty nest and they say, hey, we're not going to have, uh, uh, we're not going to be together anymore, uh, but uh, we waited till the kids were out of the home. Did that minimize pain? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but I tell you this, there's still pain. There's still a ripping apart. I meant to grab some. I forgot. I, I have some back there. I'm a sucker for these infomercials. I have these uh, super duper uh, uh, military sunglasses uh, that they advertise on, on the commercials. I've, to, I've told you, but I, I bought a lot of that flex tape stuff. I still haven't got to hold my boat together, but, uh, but anyway, I, I still like that stuff, but I, I'm in... Uh, Menards, back right before Easter, and we wanted to put this banner up, uh, this kind of big poster that we have for Easter in the lobby, and I uh, saw alien tape. Have you seen alien tape advertised? All you have to do is wash it off, man. You can reuse it. It's incredible. And eh, not quite. Uh, but I bought the alien. I will say this. It will hold. Okay? Now, I, and maybe I should have read the directions, but still. Um, but, but when you take it off, it's taking stuff with it. Okay, I mean, I was touching up this wall uh, out here quite a bit because uh, I got it off of there, but uh, the, the tape is actually, the poster is stuck upstairs on a wall because I don't know where else to put it. I couldn't get the tape off of it. Uh, so it's upstairs in our little storage area. It's up there. Hopefully, I'll be able to get it off that wall and put it up again next Easter. I don't know. But uh, the point is that the alien tape grabbed on, and yeah, he get off, but something's coming with it. There is going to be some hurt here. So God describes marriage as that bonding together like that. Okay, you're to leave, new priority, there is this bondage together, a third thing, we had, we had to get that in there, weaving, there is a weaving together. Uh, the scripture says that they shall become one flesh, okay, it's interesting to study the tense of those words because it is very much a process, okay, they shall become, it is not like instantly, it is like it is a process of becoming one flesh. Someone has said this, we call you know, marriage, you know, like the old ball and chain, but marriage is not held together by chains, it's held together by a bunch of tiny little threads woven together through life. I should have double-checked this with you, John, because you can tell me later if this is wrong, but I read about the Eiffel Tower this week, 
John used to live in France. If you're wondering if he built the Eiffel Tower, he did not. Uh, but he did used to live in France. Uh, I have not seen the Eiffel Tower, but uh, I, my understanding is this, that it was actually designed to last about 20 years. Right. It was built. Okay. He said right. Did you hear that? Uh, so so this, story, this story is right. The Eiffel Tower was designed to last about 20 years, and, but, and apparently they are always working on it. I mean, they're always improving, you know, spot weld, spot weld, uh, tying it together to keep it going. And, of course, it survived through Hitler saying he was going to make sure it came down and it has survived. But it's spot weld and fix up and tying together and everything like that. I think that does give us a little picture of what's happening as far as lives being woven together here. Okay, so God describes that in this way. We're woven together by many little threads. Uh, that, that is his description. Let's go to that second word I mentioned, that idea of enjoying. And I, I began this week with kind of a long list of points underneath that, but basically I think it comes down to this one idea right here uh, that is sharing life together. I was going again to list many different things, but uh, we're sharing life spiritually, we're sharing life emotionally, we're sharing life physically. Um, the phrase, none of your business, really gets wiped out of your, cat, of your vocabulary. Now, obviously, you know, you might have a piece of mail or a journal or something like that. I'm not talking about that. But largely, uh, what it, you know, none of your business how I spend my money. Wrong. We're together. None of your business what I do with my time. Wrong. Uh, we share this one life together. When the Bible talks in verse number 25 about them being together and naked, nakedness we see a picture of intimacy we see a picture of that closeness and um, truth of the matter is when any ever you look at intimacy the one thing that destroys intimacy is sin I'll just say, just that we remember that we looked at some of the results of sin last week but sin is destroyed uh, I'm sorry intimacy is destroyed by sin um, this movie probably I don't even know if any of you have heard of it uh, but it's one that my wife and I kind of connected with uh, there's a movie called Shall We Dance? It has uh, Richard Gere and uh, uh, Susan Sarandon in it. You say, you like that? I do. I, li I like that movie. We watched it at a time in our lives when Francis and I were going to dance class. We went to this little dance theater down in Mishawaka, and uh, we were going on a cruise, and we thought, yeah, it'd be cool to learn a little bit to dance. And I got to tell you, Francis did pretty well. Uh, <laughs> I flunked out miserably. Uh, it was really pretty sad because we had this lady that was an instructor and she would take my part and they'd dance around and i think, hey, that looks like fun. And then I'd take my part and it was a disaster. Uh, no matter, either, either way, I just, I just couldn't do it very well. But we had connected with that because this little dance studio in this movie was just like the one we went to. Uh, and, and we thought it was pretty good. Well, we were, uh, actually, I think when we were in Columbus at the zoo a, a few weeks back, um, the, uh, we got up in the morning and one of the cable stations was playing that movie. And uh, we were ready to go, but we started watching that movie. It was getting close to the end. We thought, we got to watch the end. And at the end, you know, uh, Richard Gere, of course, uh, some people think he's good looking. Got nothing on me, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, anyway, he comes up this elevator, and he's holding a rose, and he walks over to his wife, and he says, shall we dance? Or I'm sorry, uh, Susan Sarandon. And he says, shall we dance? And she says, I don't know how. And he says, we've been dancing to get, you've been dancing with me for 19 years. And I looked over at my wife, 
and there was a tear running down her face. And she looked over at me, and I was sobbing like a baby, uh, uh, which is kind of typical. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that whole idea of doing that, sharing that together, you know, sharing life together, you know, both of us really because of thankfulness and because of appreciation. I assume that's why she's crying. Maybe she's crying because she's not married to Richard Gere. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think that's why she was crying. I knew why I was crying. I was thankful for the whole thing. Uh, but uh, but that, that idea of doing life together that can be such a joy, but can be destroyed by sin. Now, making this idea, this concept, this covenant last would be the, the last thing that I really want to talk to you about. Sometimes we think of marriage as just a piece of paper, just a ritual. But I, Scripture teaches us that what marriage does is it links a human experience with a divine covenant. Let me say that again. It links a human experience with a divine covenant. So I want you to think about that whole idea of regarding marriage as a covenant. It's a covenant into which we invite God to join. Um, back when we got married, everybody and their brother did the old uh, two candles, the unity candle thing, you know what I'm talking about? And you put them put together. Uh, I haven't done one, uh, a marriage with uh, can, or a wedding ceremony with candles for a long time. You guys didn't do candles, did you? What'd you do? Tiny knot. Okay, yeah. A lot of them lately have done the the knot thing, where you have a rope, a rope, but you have three ropes because from the book of Ecclesiastes, the idea of the threefold cord, and the three ropes are the man, the woman, and God, and uh, tied together like that. And that's how it is because they're entering into this covenant relationship, inviting God God into it. Uh, the other one that I have seen in recent years is sand, where you take you know the husband has one color sand, the wife has another color sand, and then I get to be the white sand spreader, uh, which <laughs> actually means there's all, usually sand all over the table when we're done. But, uh, but to, you know, you mix those three together because it's the idea that you're never going to get them separate. Separate. The three together, God's presence in there is that white sand, and you're never going to separate that. Uh, that. That's how it goes. So, you know, we go through that. But I want to encourage you because I believe that, again, God's intention is to see it not as a contract. A contract says uh, you keep your end and I'll keep my end. Covenant is different. Covenant says I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do, what I'm going to vow before God. And we enter into that with God. Now, not only should we regard the covenant, but we should learn to guard the covenant. You have heard these words at weddings. What God hath joined together, that no man would have art. So we want to guard and make sure that what God, God's art that he has put together in a marriage is not desecrated, is, it is not cut apart. And let no man, that means do not let parents come between you and your spouse. Do not let children. That's a big one, isn't it? It's hard. It, it really is. Uh, do not let friends, hobbies, work, money. Now, I'm not saying get rid of any of those other things. They all have their place, but it is the idea that all of these things take a back seat. You know, in raising kids, one of the things that somebody taught me to do that I thought was very valuable is whenever the kids, whenever I corrected the kids, I didn't say, uh, don't talk to your mother like that. I would say, don't talk to your wife like uh, <laughs> your wife. <laughs> don't do that either. Don't talk to my wife like that because I wanted them to know that she was first. 
She was a top priority. That relationship was most important. Because someday your kids are going to leave. Okay? It's going to happen. Uh, and, and how many people you know, have got to that place in their life and looked at each other and said, we really don't have a very good relationship. We want to prioritize that. And again, I'm not saying get rid of any of the other things, including the hobbies, including, I'm not saying get rid of any of those things. I'm saying that all those things take a back seat. And if you look at your life right now and they're not in the back seat, it's time to pull the car over and try to straighten that out. Because that marriage relationship is to be that first one there, that covenant relationship with God, the one that lasts. So I want to guard against anything and everything that would attack it. If it is time to, in your life, stop the car and change it, do it. Now, I'm going to take just one more minute and give you a little acrostic, just a little helpful tips that from the word last. Okay, we'll take the L and we'll say one of the things a marriage needs to make it is laughter. In other words, fun. In other words, date. In other words, make sure there's still enjoyment in life. A second very crucial one, I'm going to use the word absolve because it starts with an A, but uh, what we're looking for is forgiveness. Remember, a marriage is involving two sinners, and therefore, here's what we need to be. We need to be relentless forgivers. Okay? We need to be relentless forgivers. The S, we'll go with this word, study. Listen to this quote. I found this this week. I, I needed this one time when we were going through First Peter because it's really good. But uh, they said that in marriage, discovery is better than change. In other words, for me to st uh, study my wife and learn about her is much more important than me trying to change her. Okay, discovery is better than change. We looked at that passage in... Uh, First Peter, it talks about the idea that we are to walk together in understanding. I'm, I'm going to live with my wife in understanding. I am to know her and to prioritize knowing her, uh, you know, who she is and uh, what she likes and what she doesn't like and what, what helps her, what, what strengthens her. I, I want to go, go that direction. And then for the T, we'll just say time. The top priority there is time. I, I do encourage, like I said, I, I hope... For those of you that are not married, and, and I mean this very sincerely, whether you're not married, you've never been married, whether uh, you're unmarried right now, but you were, or whatever like that, I hope we get this picture of what God intended, okay, marriage to be. I, I hope you capture that, that a little bit there. But for those of you that are married, I, I really want to encourage you with this today to, to take a real look at... Uh, Again, that passenger seat idea, you know, is there something else in there beside me that's killing my marriage? There's something else that's taking too much time, and therefore I don't really have time to focus on my marriage. Because, you know, I know we say this, I know this is old guy talk, but the more our lives get filled with conveniences, time-saving conveniences, the busier we get. It's just, it's just true. That's, that's where it is. We get busier all the time. And more and more, we don't have time for the thing that is most important in our life, marriage. So maybe, maybe there's a job that's killing the marriage. Ah, can't give it up. Pay's too good. Really? There, there aren't some adjustments that, that could be made. Maybe it's, uh, and, and again, this is not, okay, this, I'm not preaching here. I'm not saying, oh, you shouldn't do this. Don't, don't take this wrong. I'm saying maybe. I'm, I'm encouraging you to look at some things in your life, but maybe it's the both working thing. Maybe for you that, that doesn't work well. You know, the, the marriage goes on the side, side burner there. You know, maybe we're just stinking too busy with kids. 
I mean, really, may, you know, maybe it's just we have to have our kids involved in every single thing, and we really don't have time left for each other. I really want to encourage you to look at that because I think we're missing something. Now, listen, I, I wrote the word on my outline here. I wrote the word, whoa, because I knew I was going to have to pull back on the reins here for a minute because I have a tendency, and I was thinking about this even when I prayed ahead of, ahead of time, I have a tendency to become very self-righteous, you know, Imagine that. Uh, and then I get kind of preachy. And I really don't want to be, in, in the sense today, I really don't want to be saying, hey, here's where you're messing up or here's where you messed up or anything like that. I want to talk about who our good, good father is and the fact that he has designed us, he has designed marriage, and he knows how it works. And his plan and these things that we're talking about are really perfect. You know, even when you talk about marriage, the Bible talks about a man and a woman. And I say this, I practiced this week saying this, not you know, being overly self-righteous or anything like that. That's the only thing the Bible talks about as far as marriage goes, man and a woman. Okay? And I'm not trying to be unkind to those, oh, no, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that's what the Bible talks about. So the designer of us, the one who created us, said, hey, this is best. You know, this, this is where it is. This is it. Uh, and our God has in that in mind for us, uh, best case scenario, that, uh, that we would know, that we would walk according to his plan, according to his design. Um, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I, I struggle with this some, and um, yeah, I mentioned, you know, what we did on Mother's Day, that, that, that whole idea, a big part of that is because I hate, I hate like anything for the, for the atmosphere of God's people to be a self-righteous thing of meet our standards or get out, you know, or, you know, or we're, we've got it all together. I think that is such a joke. So I, I don't want to come across as saying, okay, all of us, you know, we need, we need to be right here. I just want us to see that this is how our Heavenly Father designed things to be. And I want to say again, so as we strive, strive by His grace, we know what we're striving for as far as that, that goes. I, um, again, I, I, I battle. I, I don't, hopefully most of you know me well enough to know that I don't, feel like I have it all together, okay, hopefully you know that, so, but I was thinking about this, uh, Frances was saying she was watching a, uh, I'm sorry, listening to uh, Focus on the Family this week on the radio, and the guest on there, I, I don't even know who it was, but it was some type, you know, he was talking about marriage, and he was talking about the whole idea of, he said, we say for better or for worse, and he said in his life, the worse definitely came before the better, and that many times happens, and we have seasons where things are hard, and, and we're going through difficult things. And, and I was thinking about a time when a, a friend of mine said to me, uh, and he, he said, hey, have you gone through a hard time in your marriage? I said, no, we really haven't. And he said, you will. And I said, thanks, buddy. That's really encouraging. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, Francis and I, and oh, man, this is part of, she's probably going to cringe when I say this. But I asked her yesterday, I said, would you say that we're at the best place we've ever been in our marriage? And she said, yes, and I would too. And it's just, but it's been a process, okay? We're, we're hitting 40 years next month, okay? And it's been growing and learning and fixing and winding together and knowing that st stuff like that. It, it has been that process of growing together. So I feel like, you know, I could stand up and say, hey, here's some pointers for making it last. Uh, I feel like I got a little bit of footing here, and at the same time, I need the grace of God 
I need the grace of God in my life and in my marriage. And I really hope, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to repeat myself, but th- this, this, I want to make sure that this is communicated. This is, not a con- this is not me saying, oh, I made my marriage work. You could have too, you know, or whatever. Like This isn't anything like that, folks. That's, that's not what we find here. That's not what we find in the good, good father. Okay, where you are today, he, he wants to meet with you. T- I don't know how else to say that. And, uh, and moving forward in the, hey, let's, by, the, by his grace, by his power, let's move forward in that way. Okay, a beautiful covenant, a beautiful picture. Now, we have a privilege today of talking about another beautiful covenant. Um, the words of Jesus when he ministered the Lord's Supper were, um, this is a new covenant in my blood shed for you. And uh, if I can go back for a second here to this, uh, the new covenant, one of the ways that we can describe it is that through his death, the death and resurrection of Jesus, humanity could live in communion with God, okay, because of his death and resurrection. He writes this law now in our hearts, and we know the indwelling of the Spirit. This is the new life that he gives us. We have this new covenant. And uh, Father's Day is a pretty good day to to look at our Heavenly Father and just say uh, thank you. And to, in remembrance of him, in remembrance of the establishment of this new covenant, let us thank him for that. So we have set up a little table over there in front of the sound booth and one up here. And we'll have with this a plate of uh, crackers and then the, uh, a tray of juice. And I want to invite you in a moment. We're going to play a little song that simply is called Remembrance. And as you come up here, you can come from both sides to this table and both sides to the table that Daniel's setting up for us right now back there uh, and get a cup and get a, uh, a cracker uh, just that we would take this time to remember. That's the whole idea. He says, often you should do this, do this in remembrance. So I want to encourage you, you know, during the time, if, if you're going to not partake of the Lord's Supper today for whatever reason, I want you to feel very comfortable to skip that. But maybe use this time just to reflect even on the words of the song that's playing, uh, the covenant that he created. Uh, maybe just to pray, use this time to pray on your own. Uh, or you get in line and take that, and then when everyone uh, has been served, as back in their seats or has their ele- uh, elements of, of communion is back in their seats, we'll go ahead then and take those elements together. So, um, gentlemen, um, let's, uh, well, let me pray first. Father, yeah, if, if anything, Lord, I want it so much to, to be governed by you this day because I don't, I don't want to offend people with any words that I say. I don't want my self-righteousness or anything like that to sneak in there and, and take over. Uh, Father, I want so much folks to be able to be drawn into your presence this day. So, Lord, I pray if I've done anything, Lord, that you would even take this time now and break down those barriers. Help them to see the God who came to this earth to lay down his life for them. Help them to know how incredibly they're loved and may our hearts respond uh, to that love and to the sacrifice of Calvary, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.